right, well, the first round of the 2019 NFL Draft is done. The Buffalo Bills had a pick, and they were able to do something that I don't know that a lot of people thought was actually going to happen. They have the Raiders to thank. They have perhaps the Giants to thank. But no matter, the Bills wind up with Ed Oliver, the ninth overall selection. He becomes Sean McDermott's defensive tackle. His three technique, the guy we've been talking about a bunch, Matthew Fairburn of The Athletic here with me. And joining us on the podcast this evening, we are recording at Mark 2.18 a.m. on uh, Friday morning, this is now, Tim Graham, also of The Athletic. I'm just here for emotional support. And and sorry. And audio from the laptop. It's NFL.com draft tracker uh, has an ad that (laughs) surprised me. Well, gentlemen, uh, first... Who's our quality control guy that we can blame for that? Uh, That would also be Joe. No, okay. Yeah, that, all of these Sorry jobs... Sorry to disappoint you, Joe. Yeah, You've it, already regretted this. That's all right. Uh, you know who the Bills can thank, though? I'll jump in just real quick. And yeah, absolutely. Because I, I might not stay for the whole thing. <laughs> Brandon Bean said that when they did their mock drafts, a lot of this came down to how many quarterbacks were going to be drafted. Mm-hmm. He was hoping that there would be three. They figured two. But when they did their mock drafts, and he said they did eight different versions, Ed Oliver did not get to them unless two quarterbacks were taken mm-hmm. uh, before they drafted at ninth overall. And that was the case. Of course, Kyler Murray going first overall. And then uh, Daniel Jones, although that was a surprise. You know, you might have thought that it was going to be Haskins going in there. But right. um, but Daniel Jones, the Giants, with a surprising pick at sixth overall. Either way, the fact that those two quarterbacks go yeah. allowed enough of the shuffle that Ed Oliver would fall to them. And that's not to say, too, that the Bills went into this draft counting on Ed Oliver or hoping for Ed Oliver. They might have been hoping for – somebody else. They might have been hoping for TJ Hawkinson. We don't know that. And they're not going to tell us that now because they don't sure, want right. to have a cloud over um, Ed Oliver's uh, arrival. Every, Of course, it's going to be this was the guy we wanted. You know, Let's forget about the rest. But um, I think that uh, they're, they're pleased to have this player fall to them. Yeah, I think so too. And the quarterback point is absolutely right. I think the potential, if they wanted to move up if, let's say Oliver was their top guy. It almost felt like they would have had to move up to get him in most cases. But with Jones going, of course, helped. But Cleveland Farrell going fourth overall just oh. t- turned it in their favor completely. because That was a surprise. Yes, it was. Because the, at that point, Devin White went five to Tampa Bay. And then the Giants passed on both of those defensive linemen. And then Jacksonville, who invested in Taven Bryan last year as their defensive tackle, said, okay, well, we'll take a pass rusher. Um, But the fact that Josh Allen was there took them away from potentially drafting at Oliver. And then at that point, it's like, okay, well, we're going to get either Oliver or Hawkinson, or maybe if they didn't like Hawkinson, Jonah Williams. They felt like they were in a good spot where they didn't have to make a move. But if I wonder if... Let's let's replace Cleveland Farrell with Josh Allen at that fourth overall spot. Does this draft go the same way, or do the Bills feel like they have to move up to seven? I, I might be inclined to think that they do have to move up to seven. 
Yeah, and I'm not enough of a draft Nick to know, really, and I'm more reactionary when it comes to the draft. I don't claim to know, uh, or uh, it's just not in my wheelhouse to do. Uh, but what I would say about Ed Oliver, and this is where, I again, I say I get reactionary. I reached out to some people who I trust, and uh, the one uh, comparable that came back to me from a scout of a team that really wasn't uh, the only clue I could really give on this. Uh, it's not anonymous scout. I'm not. It, this is an executive, I should say, mm. with an NFL team uh, who wasn't really in the neighborhood. So, uh, but he sometimes, Joe, you send a text to a source and you know that they're doing you a favor by getting back to you with some feedback, and that's sure, exactly. how it is. And I say, hey, look, I'm grateful for any insight you give. And uh, Matt will attest as he was sitting, the guy would not stop. Really? He kept going on and on about Ed Oliver. Wow. Now, he did say that there were some coachability concerns, but this was clearly a scout who likes this pick quite a bit and was comparing him to Aaron Donald and said he is the, cl- he is the closest thing to Aaron Donald since Aaron Donald himself and uh, mentioned the fact that he averaged six and a half tackles a game right. as a defensive tackle, as an interior guy. So um, that's generally what I like to do. You know, after the pick has been made, then I'll go out and I'll try to learn and, and show or give a, a type of um, insight in, in that regard. So when Ed Oliver is the pick, you have a reaction as to whether or not you like that pick. Absolutely. I don't know if I like that sure, pick. Sure, right. So that's where I'm like, all right, well, I'm going to see what I think. You know? And so uh, that's where I would say, based on the people I've spoken to, the Bills should be, or Bills fans should be, pretty happy with this yeah and it's and not to say that you know i i fairly i really hate draft grades to a t Mm -hmm. but the the uh draft grades are really mock draft grades aren't they because it's based on your mock mock draft and then they say how did this line up how do you score based on how i mocked it i know so it's really not uh the draft of the it's not the grade on the player it's the grade on whether it aligned up with your prediction or not right but overwhelmingly the um I guess from the football minds that I respect that are out there, all universally, for the most part, said, "Look, this this is this is a great player for this scheme. Um, he's he could wind up being an absolute superstar in 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 this defense and with this team. And it's just it just seems like it all fit together really nicely for them. And I I, I mean from my perspective." I've loved this fit for a long time, and and Ed Oliver to me was always one of those guys that, even even when getting getting started and watching all of these players, it's like, all right, well this guy is always kind of in the back of your mind because they need it, they haven't invested in it, and finally they get that guy. Uh, finally they have the ability to get that guy, and the fact that they didn't have to give up any assets to go do it, and you heard Sean McDermott say it up there how much he believes in interior pressure and how he he thinks it's uh, harder to stop than say pressure from the outside which is a a burgeoning notion throughout the NFL I think so I I, I love this pick all all together it, it, this is not surrendering any picks in day two that that was the thing that pushed it over the top for me you don't even have to say that this is a topic in the entire NFL all you have to do is look at the AFC East Mm-hmm. All three Patriots opponents drafted defensive tackles. 
Quinn and Williams to the Jets with the third overall pick, uh, the defensive tackle out of Alabama. And then, of course, the Dolphins at 13 taking Christian Wilkins out of Clemson. These are teams that want to defend against Tom Brady, and one of the best ways to do it is interior pressure. Uh, so you have three teams apparently thinking similarly. Um, so I wanted to ask you, Joe, how mm -hmm. do you think of those now that we see – where those three guys go and with those teams right? to those teams in the division. What do you think of Williams to uh, the Jets and then Wilkins to the Dolphins and then who got the better pick of the three? Well, I think, I think Williams, they almost had to do that just because when you have um, the inability to move out of that spot, even though they tried to encourage those moves to get out of there um, by – you know, whatever floating rumors, if, if that's what they wound up trying to do. Um, that, be it as it may, the Jets stood and got, got Quinn and Williams. I don't know exactly how he's going to fit. It's not as seamless as, say, Ed Oliver's potential fit in Buffalo. Quinn and Williams is still an absolute train wrecking of a, of a force in, in the, uh, for the interior, but... Now, now he's pairing. What's your with personal preference? Do you, who do you, who do you think's the better player between I Oliver had, and Quinn? And honestly, I can show you my my spreadsheet. I, I do a numerical grade. They were both graded eighty-seven out of a hundred for me. So it, it 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 depends on whether or not you view the um, the measurables to be important. I'm not as big on that as some, but uh, I know the Bills are also kind of big on that, which is why it's interesting that they made this pick because he's sort of an anomaly. He's he's short. He uh, short by the positions comparables to what they've drafted before. He's 20 pounds lighter than what they usually draft. His arms are uh, smaller than what they usually do. Um, but his three cone time, which is just an absolute uh, wrecker, I mean that that just proves that he's just this phenomenal talent. That he's kind of an anomaly. And so I I really like the fit. I wasn't as high on Christian Wilkins as some people out there, but you know that. The Dolphins, I think the Dolphins uh, probably wanted to move out of that pick, but they couldn't. Yeah, I, I think it will be interesting once the dust settles and we start to get the uh, the reports from people who you trust yeah. about who wanted to do what in terms of trades. Mm -hmm. And, of course, we were getting a lot of buzz about uh, what Mike McCagnan with the New York Jets was trying to do with that third overall pick and, and whether uh, the Bills were even involved. But, of course, that took up a lot of the – the buzz portion mm -hmm. of Thursday was talking about, is this legit? Is this something that is real that the Jets and the Bills might actually be trading? Right. Yeah, and uh, Matthew, I'm curious as to your initial thoughts on, on um, Ed Oliver because, I mean, we've been talking about him so much throughout. I, I feel like he, to this podcast, was basically uh, – quarterbacks to last year's pre-draft podcast I mean he was he was always a topic of conversation for us yeah I did not think that he was going to be available when the bills were picking right. there were and Brandon Bean mentioned they ran through a lot of different scenarios and there there were a few where Ed Oliver was available but it wasn't all the time you know you could have seen the Jacksonville Jaguars <laughs> taking him at seven but they had Josh Allen uh, on the board you could have seen the Jets take him at three, the Raiders right. take him at four, the Buccaneers take him at five. I mean, you could have seen 
him come off the board a lot of different places. So I, I didn't even expect him to be there. What did we have him going in the pod, Mac? Was it, was it to the Bucks at five? I think it was. I think it was yeah. to the Bucks at five because we didn't give them Devin Bush. Or Devin White. Devin White, I right. don't think. Right. But I could yeah. be wrong. No, no, yeah, you're but right. He was you off the it. board when the Bills were picking. Well, let so. me give you, just so I can, because I jump on here, right, I, I look at this just it's because it's good for a quick – CBS Sports has six or seven mock drafts all in one place Ooh, with okay. all their different guys. So I, I think it's a good sampling. So uh, Ed Oliver, uh, and I'm, I'm not doing it by name here because they're actually scrolled off here, uh, off my screen, but uh, it is a sixth to the Giants, sixth to the Giants, um, seventh to Jacksonville. Fourth to Oakland, mm-hmm. third to the Jets, and eighth uh, to Atlanta. So that is all of their mock draft guys. That is uh, Jared Dubin, Will Brinson, Pete Prisco, R.J. White, Chris Trapasso, and Ryan Wilson. So that's a that's a cross section of guys with different thought, and none of them. Uh, had uh, Ed Oliver lasting to the Bills with the ninth pick. Ed Oliver did last to the Bills. It's not to say that they got a, a steal because for a while a lot of people were just slotting that pick in automatically. Yes. Around the time of the Combine and the Senior Bowl, it, it was an obvious fit. He, he's a great talent. And, you know, I think there, were, there was a lot of, you know, reason to connect those dots. So it's kind of – funny that we've come full circle and now it feels like the Bills got a steal just yeah. because uh, you know he was sitting there at nine but I do think it was one of those deals where even though they said you know there was no glaring need on the roster as we discussed three technique defensive tackle was a, a pretty big oh pretty big need for this and team. you know what I it was a need and it's a need for any team yes it was a need and Brandon Bean said, look, we're going best player available, we're going best player available, and I actually think that they did that, but it also just so happened to be a need, and like we talked about before, it's not as though there's this just best player available or need strategy. They, The needs become the best player available on your board, so you can kind of melt the yeah, two together. there's a meshing, and yeah. they're not independently, uh, they're not exclusive. No. Uh, and no that's means. yeah, the best player available. It's the fact, the importance of the position is factored into how where how how best they. Brandon are. Bean snuck a quote in that you know kind of gave away a little bit of the fact that this was somewhat a pick for need. You know, asked if something about the signing of offensive players, if they knew it would be defense, you know, in the draft because of all the defensive talent. And at the end, he said there were other good players on offense, too, that were around. This was just a, a pick we felt fit a need as well. And, and so o- you manipulate your board based on of course what you, you need. Yeah. And if you don't, he's never going to go up there as long as he's the general manager of the Bills and say, we took the second best guy on our board because <laughs> we thought we needed him more than the better player. Right. And this no is, I would love I would love if a GM goes, "Well, you know, we missed out on this guy, so but hey, he's pretty good, right?" That's one of my dream scenarios back when I was covering college football. I used to joke about it all the time is uh, on signing day. 
you know, they have the news conference with your local media and they bring them by and they'd show your, the recruits on a projector and the coach stands up and talks about how they got all the guys they wanted. And you know it's not true. So I just once, out of re, you know, just to be refreshing, I would say, well, we got the fourth and fifth best guys. You know, I've, I've covered some bad college football in my day, UB and UNLV. But anyway, um, a related comment that um, Brandon Bean mentioned today, which uh, doesn't really – well, it's related in this sense. He made it a point to say quality three-technique defensive tackles just don't come up in free agency. They don't you make it. To, you need to do it in the they draft. Don't make up, they don't make it to free agency. So mm-hmm. that's a, a similar thing that kind of uh, layers on the whole, the whole deal of need. Is yes. like you're always going to need to draft these guys because there's no other way to get them. Just like he said, you, you can't have enough pass rushers and, you know, Sean McDermott waxed poetic about interior pressure but I think one of the main takeaways about this pick to me is that and I've written about this a little bit uh, after free agency and the idea of character and the Sean McDermott Brandon Bean guy or the process guy I hate to break it to you but that's not Ed Oliver uh, from almost (laughs) yeah all the descriptions we hear about him. Gil Brandt, who is probably more plugged in than almost anybody at this point because he's – how old is he? He's in his 80s. He knows a lot of people. And his job is to this. Be, yes, it's to be connected to about be connected. the draft. And he said that he has uni- almost universally heard that the guy's a pain in the ass to coach. Does that mean he's going to be a bad player? No. But the fact of the matter is there there are questions about you know his maturity and all that. But – what Brandon Bean and Sean McDermott showed is that, and I asked Brandon Bean directly after free agency when I did that story, I said, do you ever feel like you can get the culture to a point where you can bend the rules a little bit because you have it in place? And he said, that's that's the goal. And so now they've got they're to a point where they're like, this guy is a rare athlete. Mm-hmm. We watch him on film and think, man, if we could put him in – our defense and have him play this position he could wreck games for us mm-hmm. let's take a chance on a guy that some people think might be a pain in the ass and they love the fact that he's a competitor and that he's going to bring it every play they said we'll we'll tame the rest of it perhaps we should have these discussions before we do our writing for the night because now I have three ideas of what I could have written tonight. <laughs> that always happens when we podcast. We're, we're always it always ends up going that way. One of this, one of them is this, and it puts together two things uh, regarding culture. And people don't want to hear about culture because they think, or there are some people who don't because they're so into the analytics of it that they believe that these are robots out there playing, and that if a player is good enough based on whatever, we don't have to get into that. But I do recall Eric Wood telling me at the end of the season, uh, Eric Wood, uh, who does some columns uh, for The Athletic, and uh, I think this was in one of his columns, but I do remember speaking with him over the phone about this, and his prediction was going into what is now the third year of the, finger quotes, the process, Mm -hmm. uh, you can afford to take risks on players. And I think a lot of people viewed that as at the time as Antonio Bryant-type risks, as Go out and get these types. But maybe this is the type of risk you're talking about because uh, one of the words that did come back to me was uh, entitlement when it comes to Ed Oliver. Now, here you have a player who, if he felt entitled at the University of Houston, now all of a sudden is he going to be getting ninth overall draft pick money. Mm -hmm. Uh, What type of 
focus or mentality is he going to have? Um, but this is where your locker room uh, is important. This is where your head coach and everybody from the chaplain to the assistants to all the people who uh, Sean McDermott has in terms of his nucleus of leadership uh, with certain players on the roster. Lorenzo like a Lorenzo Alexander. Right, those Harrison types of guys. Phillips even can be that guy playing right next to him. And this yeah. is where we, before we started the podcast, I was quizzing Joe Biscaglia on, and I was doing it for fun because I didn't know these answers either, but I had the answers in front of me, prominent Houston Cougars that have played in the NFL. And the list is pretty bleak. Mm-hmm. Uh, when it comes to guys who've played in the NFL more than five, or started more than five seasons, only one has leaked into the 21st century. You know, you're talking about guys uh, who this is a program that is not tradition laden. It is it, it, the coaching staff has churned over so many times. They're on a new coaching staff right now. The coaching staff that uh, was with Ed Oliver is gone already. The coaching staff uh, that recruited him was uh, did not coach him. So, all right. So I guarantee you that the Bills view their confidence in the process Mm -hmm. and everything the template that they have down as you think he's uncoachable because he was at a program that is not known for churning out blue chips they don't know what they they don't they're not used to having ed olivers Mm -hmm. now you're going to come here with our guys and our veterans and we're going to teach ed oliver how to be coachable and to be a team guy and to be a leader so I can, and that's what all teams think they can do. Yep. Now, if they can or not, that's. But I, but I, I can. You can see all of that lining up as Sean McDermott and Brandon Bean saying coachability, mm-hmm. at least in this situation. It's not like he was a problem. He wasn't uh, again, a complete bastard. No, he case, wasn't. A, so. And that's another thing that I heard from uh, some a prominent personnel executive in the league. He's not a bad guy. He just has coachability issues. And when you come through and you're the man and at University of Houston had zero idea that they'd be getting a player like him, the only reason they got him is because his brother went there. Yeah. I he mean, was supposed to go to LSU or right. Alabama. Five-star recruit guy. And so, of course, exactly. you're going to feel entitled. You, he was BMOC. So, so anyway, that's my long-winded thing, of, and, and I wish I would have written it. But now here I am. I'm saying it on the podcast <laughs> instead. But it lines up of – It's okay. No one listens. You could just write it anyway. <laughs> well, nobody <laughs> reads. Uh, so the Bills thinking – all right, you think this guy might be uncoachable, but really, given the circumstances, we think that this is unmolded clay. Yeah, well, I think to Eric Wood's point about how this, in the third year, that's when you can start to take some to, some risks, I, I almost think that Sean McDermott, and we give him some flack for the, the process stuff and everything like that, and, you know, the, make some weird analogies from time to time. I believe that stuff works. I it, think it matters. Yes, it does, and I think he has done enough in the two years and has proved enough to the guys that have been in the locker room that this guy actually knows what he's doing and he he can connect with the locker room that that way it can kind of seep into someone so if there is a coachability concern uh, I almost feel like with McDermott in particular it's in fairly solid hands because he has a way to get through to his players I also wonder because they they value having these veteran leader types in in each room. And if you look at the defensive line, who's the leader there? Like Jerry Star. He, Star, yes, but he's not that I'm not much. I'm going to say his last name because I'm going to piss off 
some of our <laughs> listeners. Who, I love how you say it. I don't Lotulele? That's how you say it. Lotulele? Lotulele? Lotulele, yes. That's how I you know, actually I always, I always upset somebody I, when I say it. But that. I love it. Um, but, but I almost wonder. Harrison Phillips? Harrison Phillips. Only because he's the type of guy who sometimes leadership is being Lorenzo willing to Alexander's do it. Alexander's in that D-line room occasionally as well because he has some meetings with them because of certain packages. So to me, I mean, maybe I, my, they don't my, have the the true leader in that room. What an interesting match Ed Oliver and Jerry Hughes will be as well. That's, that's what couple, I was thinking. A couple of Houston guys who, you know, I don't know Ed Oliver like – We've gotten to know Jerry Hughes, but it's either going to go one way or the other with those two. They're going to get along like gangbusters, or they won't be able to stand each other. I think I think it'll be okay. Yeah, and I do as well. I think perhaps the he the reminded fact, me a lot of Jerry Hughes when he was talking. The fact that we maybe have overlooked here in this whole deal is that at all how much Ed Oliver smells like Cheerios, and <laughs> how important how important that. Might be. Okay, we are, all right. Some backstory: We are recording this podcast so late in the evening that the uh, the the wonderful cleaning crew here at One Mills Drive um, as our as our captive audience at the moment. And they're not quite sure what I'm talking about either. <laughs> Did you ladies listen to uh, the news conference tonight with Brandon Bean and Sean McDermott? No. All right. No? Well, okay. it was, he was he made he made a weird analogy. Sean McDermott was trying to talk about you know, being a Buffalo reference and when you know, how you smell the Cheerios yeah. downtown and yeah. well. <laughs> All right, you should stop talking. <laughs> oh, my. So, Cheerios, go on. Well, yeah, Sean McDermott was saying how he knows. He was, he was talking hey, but, about how you we'll know when. we'll talk after the mics are off. Yeah. We'll want to hear these Jerry Hughes stories. <laughs> Sean was discussing how you know or what it feels like because he said he could feel Ed Oliver's presence at the pro day. And... John Morrow asked, you know, well, what, what does that feel like? And the first thing Sean McDermott said, almost without hesitating, was it's kind of like when you're driving down the 190. I don't think he called it the 190. He's not that bubble. The interstate. Yet. The interstate, he said. And you smell the Cheerios. And I, I don't know at what point I stopped him, but at some point I stopped him and I said, are you saying Ed Oliver smells like Cheerios? <laughs> and he laughed and just carried on, but... I'm not sure what the hell he was talking about. <laughs> it made sense in his mind at the, at the at the time, I'm sure. He's going to want to have that one back, I think. You're yeah. going to need to grab that audio and put it in here for people. I think that should be part of our, our open. <laughs> I, that, Is that this would editing? Mean I, would, do you edit? Right? Do you put it? Can you insert it right here? Can we say, I, and pause for Cheerios audio? <laughs> I don't have the audio. I don't have the raw audio, and I'm I'm going to want to go to bed at some point this evening. I'm, but. I'm not going to allow that. <laughs> I think we need we need the Cheerios audio. It was good. Maybe was, Leslie really Frazier will be the most important member of the Bills' defensive line this yes. year. Yes, but what the point I was trying to make is, I wonder if maybe it still leads them to an opportunity because we we talked about this idea on the last podcast as well Matthew or a couple of them ago I don't I don't even remember which one about the idea of Gerald McCoy um, because he's noted locker room guy plays the same possession uh, position as at Oliver I, it would almost be an embarrassment of riches at this point but the cost wouldn't be so extreme that it's ridiculous for the bills I mean, the only thing that's really standing in their way is Ed Al, or I'm sorry, is uh, Jordan Phillips from doing that, and you know his his contract isn't really that that uh, 
great. So I don't know. It, it's just food for thought to if you if you want this guy to develop and and you see things the right there, way. Right? Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, and would you want to put the full plate on Ed Oliver right away? Is is the question too? So sure. if, it, if well, yes, conceivably. You could argue he's your most talented defensive lineman the moment he steps on campus. Yeah, I agree with that. But is it going to take him some time? And do you want to like maybe split his reps with someone who's more capable of splitting the reps? That's that's those are the reasons I wonder if McCoy's still an option. I probably would would you know opt against it, opt against them doing it. I don't think they would Solomon at this point. Thomas was on the market as well. Yeah, no thanks. Um, I don't know what that would cost, but. It's, it's still. It's he doesn't not, have a position. That's the trouble. It's not too late in the game to bring in some sort of veteran to be a part of a rotation. Mm-hmm. I'm sure they they wouldn't have been upset if Kyle Williams stuck around for another year to groom a guy like this. But I I also don't know that it's entirely necessary. Uh, you you hope that by week four, week five, you know this guy is on the field for you for at least sixty percent of your snaps. Uh, because there is there is a path to the starting lineup, mm-hmm. and it is it's a pretty easy one. Yeah. I would think. Yeah, I agree. He'll he'll be he'll be playing a lot, probably by the time October rolls around. Um, let me ask this to the to the panel: What did we learn about Brandon Bean this evening? Because this is the first time that we've seen him in a first round not trade. And not trade up specifically. Well, but last year was his first draft, so it was. Which is the outlier? He did it twice. He did it twice in one draft, though. <laughs> there was there was some action there at the end. In fact, it was a really dry draft when it came to trades up until what the early twenties, and then all of a sudden, yeah, there, there were five. The Steelers had the right one. To there 10. ended up being other six. Than that, it it cool. It was it was very um, very slow moving in that regard. Mm-hmm. Mike McCagnan really wanted it to be fast-moving, though. He really did. He was trying his best earlier today. So, yeah, what do you think we learned back. from Beaner? I think I, I hesitate to say that I learned a great deal. I learned that he won't jump the gun to trade up just for the sake of it. But, quite frankly, he sat at number nine and made – I think what most people around the league would consider to be an easy pick. Yeah. Oh, all right. Well, what if though we can state what we think we learned tonight about him not trading into mm-hmm. back into the first round? But what happens at seven seven fifteen mm-hmm. uh, tonight, and he trades up to thirty four? Mm-hmm. Or 36. That's kind of close to trading up into the first round. We also, so he might be aggressive. Maybe he's making phone calls right now. I mean, we don't know. But I think that whatever statement we can make now, we probably can't make. Maybe we need to wait one more day right, to make sure he does it. Because maybe he gets crazy in the second and third rounds. Yeah, well, the I, other thing. And he probably me, will because they have so many day three picks. But right. The other thing to me, and that's sort of the, the point I want to make, is that the reason I don't know that we learned – a tremendous amount is because he didn't really have the assets to make a big splash. If he wanted to get up to number three, he was going for broke. Yeah. It's not like he had the extra picks like he had last That's year. That's Sammy Watkins-esque. Right. So he has picks in the fourth and fifth where if he wants to move up in the second or third, he can do it without sacrificing a great deal of his draft. Whereas if he wanted to move up in the first, he was doing so knowing that he was – 
getting himself in a little bit of trouble. It wasn't yeah. as easy as last year when he had so many picks, and to get a quarterback, you need to move up. So, like I said, I don't want to, you know, say he, you know, did the easy thing, but because it is hard sometimes to exercise that level of patience. That's that was where I was kind of leaning because, and while it's it's good to figure out what he's going to be on day two, I the first day is obviously the most important one. So him exercising that patience was something that we hadn't seen him do. And to kind of wait around for that level of player while he was sitting around and he, he didn't have the ammo to move up to three without sacrificing his entire draft, but he had the ammo to move up to five. If he wanted to, he had the ammo to move up to seven if he wanted to, but he stood back. To me, those are the irresponsible trades. I know we talked about this yeah, on the we podcast did. before the draft, but those I are, that's one he did. Those for are Trinade the ones Edmonds. where you're getting itchy and you're saying, Oh, I don't know if this one guy that I need to have to me, it almost tells me that there was a plan B. There was mm-hmm. either a deal in place with another team further down the draft, because as much as people talked about the Bills and the Jets being potential trade partners, Brandon Bean was also making calls to teams lower in the order, um, maybe more teams lower in the order. So that was probably part of the, the escape plan. And maybe it wasn't just Ed Oliver. Maybe there was a cluster of players they were comfortable taking. Jonah Williams was still there. Yeah, he was. Christian Wilkins was still there. Andre Dillard was still there. And I it mean, was either going to be uh, Hawkinson or uh, or Ed Oliver getting down to nine from where Detroit was at eight. Yeah, once once Dave Gettleman, who will probably be getting a an extra generous Christmas gift from Brandon Bean this year, <laughs> once he took a quarterback and then the Jaguars were sitting there at seven – the Bills knew they were getting either Ed Oliver, Josh Allen, TJ Hawkinson, or Jonah Williams. Yep. They were going to have a pick between two of those guys. To trade up at that point, I think, would have been would have flown in the face of the idea that you're going best player available and not drafting for need. Because yeah, I agree Then there. you're moving up just because you really need this three-tech. You've got four guys who I think most people considered elite prospects in the draft. They were, were going to have a pick of two of them, so he sat there and took one. I, I, I mean, it was... It was patient, but it was also a little bit easier to be patient. Than Dave Gettleman helped the Bills out two years in a row because oh, yes, he, he didn't did. draft the quarterback first overall last year. He could have. second overall, yeah. Or, what, yeah, yeah, second overall. And that allowed that, you know, one more quarterback. Maybe he's working as down. a double agent. <laughs> and maybe what we, learned about, what we learned about Bean is that he's not Gettleman because Gettleman loves trading up. He loves dealing all those assets, especially in the first. He did it again. He, he moved back into the in, back into the first round to go get DeAndre Baker. Um, I, I see that the resisting of temptation to move up to secure Oliver is probably the biggest takeaway from it. And I don't want to say that it was just this, this huge event that he did, but I think it's at least noteworthy because we haven't seen him exercise that patience before. I also, that, that is within reason. I also think that what maybe we learned more about the way we handle this whole pre-draft process because the amount of panic there was over the idea that they were going to trade up to number three Another kind of subtle thing that Brandon Bean mentioned in his news conference was that part of making all those phone calls is trying to figure out what everybody else is up to, what they're thinking. If you get on the phone with Mike McCagnin 
you can hear his voice. You can get a sense for where he where his headspace is at. You can hang up the phone and say, man, he really wants to get back. He's not feeling too too comfortable at three. You call up the Raiders at four. All of a sudden, yeah, it starts getting out there. Ooh, you know, the, the Jets GM starts telling people, oh, yeah, I gotta, I've got been talking to the Bills. Or the Raiders GM starts saying, oh, yeah, but we talked to the Bills. They, they might move up here. I've like- said this before on my radio show, and I, I have made reference to it to certain people who I deal with on a regular basis, is especially there's some people who have been with the Bills for only a, a few years who are still trying to get a lay of the land of like, what's up with some of these reports that happen around here? When I first started covering the Bills for ESPN in 2008, it was amazing to me how many times the Bills were used as the extra team, mm-hmm. the, the leverage team. They're the team, and I don't know why, why that was. And this is like, obviously, it's not pre-internet age. There's still, you know, some, but I don't know if they feel that the Buffalo media isn't going to fact check it or what the deal was. But I always found it interesting in 2008, 2009, 2010. There'd be all these reports out there about so and so plus the Bills are in on this other team. It's like it was like the Bills are being used mm-hmm. by the bigger market teams. Like, well, who's gonna who's ever gonna check us on? Well, that? even in free agency, Trey Flowers, it was that these two teams and the Bills are in on them. Right, Anton- and the whole Antonio or the Odell Beckham thing that came out all of a right. sudden, where uh, Gettleman was talking to the Bills about Beckham, and it was like, no, that didn't happen. Like the, Gettleman the, picked up the phone yeah. and Brandon said, no thanks. I mean, you know, it's <laughs> and that's where. Again, if he's on the if he's not on the phone with all these guys, and that's where I think you can at least feel pretty comfortable that smart, competent people are running this team because little things like that that he thinks about, little boxes that they check during the scouting process, but then just on the night of thinking, I'm gonna give all these guys a call and you never know what you're gonna pick up in a guy's voice or mm-hmm. you know, what they might let slip. People one thing I've noticed as I've covered the draft, you know, from a team perspective is guys get jacked up over the draft. Like guys in the building, they make a big deal out of it. You know, they've got a nice fancy draft room. The owners are there. People are all dressed up. Adrenaline's running. People get fired up. So why wouldn't you call up? Mike McCagnan and see what he says while the juices are flowing. Well, he's got the – we've all seen the picture that gets tweeted out of him with his 17 Dunkin' Donuts, oh, empty yes. Dunkin' Donuts cups. You oh, know, yes. I was like, how wired is Mike McCagnan today? You know, how tight is he wound at 2.30 in the afternoon when he's uh, showing up? Uh, I don't know if this is changing the subject, but I know that so many people were into TJ Hawkinson mm-hmm. as a possibility for the Bills. And, of course, he's off the board before the Bills pick. Just as a hypothetical to throw it out there, how appeased would Bills fans be if they can get out of here with Ed Oliver and Noah Fant? True. Noah Fant, a lot of people just blanket statement, Fant and uh, Hawkinson are going in the first round. Uh, Dane Brugler, uh, the athletics uh, draft guy, uh, kind of said that he was going to trickle into the second, which seems to be the case, so... No offense, still one the, of the best available out there. Yeah, there are still quarterbacks out there. He, he got drafted. Wait, what was I just seeing? Where did Fant go? Oh, Fant went. I'm sorry. He went to the Broncos. Are you talking about Irv Smith? No. Well, Irv Smith still, I still Irv throw Smith him in that there. same There's bucket. Irv, you know what I'm doing is on the TV in here, they're showing a replay of the draft. And I could have swore. I was like, well, not now. It's on a different thing. Uh-huh. But on NFL Network, and they had a thing on for the best available. And oh. I was like, and I said, Noah Fant didn't get drafted. 
I was in it, my Ed Oliver. And here uh, we probably have thousands of Bills Beat listeners pitching a pants tent over the idea of Noah Fant in the second round, thinking, damn, I didn't know he was available. Well, this is a great segue. I you, would, too. This is a great segue, even though Noah Fant's not actually available. Wait a minute. I st- wait. Let's wait for my pants tent to go down. <laughs> wait a minute. Okay. Wait, just give it, like, like. All right, now. Okay. Now. Okay, right. I'm back to normal. Perfect. Sorry, guys. Uh, so, for the second day of the draft, what what is our lean here? I when when I hey best available that means they gotta go quarterback. But what, right. Drew Lock <laughs> Drew Lock is still out there. I know you're kidding. But what Brandon Bean also said in in the pre draft build up is that once you get past the first round, that's when you start really addressing needs more more heavily. And even though they addressed a need in the, with their first round pick, I wonder if the the two positions that I'm looking at more than anything. Especially because I think the value meets where the pick could be, as well as um, you know being able to pick up some value at at different positions that you might draft uh, later on. Those positions are a little bit stronger. Uh, the two positions I would probably target if I were the Bills are wide receiver because I think there's a really good contingent of players still available. I think. Only two went, Hollywood Brown and, and Keel Harry. Uh, those are the only two receivers that were selected in the first round. Who would have thought that there would only be one more receiver than a running back taken in the first round? I know. I know. Maybe the And Bills. a running back went ahead of a receiver. Maybe the Bills, because they sat here and took a defensive player, and I'm looking up at the board at, you know on the TV with the best available players. Was Noah Fan on there? And he was. <laughs> and you've got wide receivers. Oh, God, Tim's pants yeah. tapped again. <laughs> Wait a minute. Wait, 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 wait. There's receivers available? I thought it was just tight ends. The return of the pants tent. It's, Holy pers- it's persistent. Someone, someone, someone's going to create a Twitter account, Tim Graham's pants tent. Well, now they are. <laughs> it might already exist. Yeah. Who's to say? But you've got some big-time wide receivers. You've got a lot of players that people mocked to the Bills. Before I give Tim another pants tent, is Ooh. DK Metcalf actually on the board? He's on the board. So yeah. DK Metcalf's on the board. Cody Ford is on the board. Jawan Taylor's Murphy. on the board. That's right. Yeah. Byron Murphy. Who? I mean, I know I know Jawan Taylor's not a receiver, but I'm just saying. I just wanted to. Throw but I was throwing out, out offensive tackles. Yeah, he said Cody right. Ford because I'm getting proud of the fact that I'm kind of like caught up now. Byron Murphy, the corner. Mm-hmm. Is on the board. Rocky Sin. Who? Byron Greedy Murphy. Williams is on the board. Greedy Williams was a popular mock. But pick. hang on, Byron Williams was Pro Football Focus's mock pick in the first round. Rocky Sin or Rocky Scene, the wrestler. The wrestler. The wrestler. I want to talk about pants there. tense. Sean going to need a cold towel. There's all. Uh, there's also. They pick Rocky Sin. Did you say Paris Campbell? No, but he's, no, he's out there. Another speedy Irv receiver. Irv Smith is out there, the tight end from Alabama. A.J. Brown from Ole Miss is out. Hakeem Butler, who is Eric Draft McCoy. Twitter's guy. Uh, the Debo Samuel. Iowa State. Oh, I don't have Debo. a lot of guys in this draft that I, you know, because I. You love Debo. But Debo Samuel is. He's your cup he's, of tea. He's a I good know. football player. That's a guy that he, he can just play ball. I think He that, plays football? He sure does. Well, I would hope so. He's a guy. They got a lot. There's a lot of good. You just, you just pulled the buddy Nick's there. He's a guy. There's a lot of good talent on the board. I agree. Dalton Reisner is someone up. we didn't Dalton, talk about. Yeah, Dalton Reisner is Greg Little on. Greg the board? Little's still out there. Heck yeah. Man, what about Joe Juan 
Jawan Williams is someone that fits the Bills to a T. I mean, he's got super so long arms. So there's three corners. Next of yeah. now, there are some Bills fans out there that want to know what they're doing at running back because you know T.J. Yeldon's not the final answer. But the it's not next, a good time the I, for a running back. The next best running back available is David Montgomery, maybe in the third round. I agree. I disagree. David yeah, Montgomery, yeah. third round. I think. <laughs> I think Iowa State. I think Miles Miles Sanders is probably the best running back available here, and but I don't. I think the value is probably in the fourth or fifth round if they're going to take one. They don't think they'll need they need it that badly. Right. They'll probably right. wait. The sweet yeah. spot, you know, the the smart people who study these things say the sweet spot is we haven't quite gotten there yet. It's probably the third fourth round, but. A lot of good players out there to address some of these needs. You probably want to resist the temptation to trade up because I just mentioned about a dozen players. Yes, I will. I will offer this scenario. And Tyree Jackson. <laughs> <laughs> oh God, here it goes again. Um, <laughs> what you got drafted? <laughs> <laughs> I will offer this up, and I'm not just saying this because this is what I had in my day two mock but what about the notion of trading back into the second round from 74 because they that i like yes because they have the additional picks and that's where i think bean can start to be aggressive because they're not i don't think they would use all 10 picks in in this i don't think you move up from 40 but i think moving up from 74 is definitely a fair move or moving back into the third round if it comes to that i've been saying all so often that people are probably sick of hearing it, but the more top 100 picks they have, the better, because I really think after that, those picks aren't as valuable, aren't nearly as valuable. There's quite a drop-off. And so, yeah, I think tomorrow is where you'll see, you know, Brandon Bean's got to figure out how to move around the board a little bit. And to do that, you probably have to hang tight at 40 and hold on to some of those assets, because if you move up from 40 – you're spending assets just to get up a few spots when we just rattled off a list of 10 or 15 guys and, that could be worth that pick. And, you know, the sweet spot for moving up from 74 uh, to get back into the second round, that starts to become, like, right around 50. That's where it starts to become doable, where you could package together one of your fours, one of your fives, and your six to move up to get another second-round pick. And at that point, if you're moving up in, in for a, another – conceivable top 50 pick because three quarterbacks are already gone probably four will be gone by that point um having three top 50 picks in this draft is potentially three starters for you and that is more than worth it for a four five and a a six for me maybe you're able to trade back from 40 and get an extra pick it's all just because you trade back at one point doesn't mean you can't move back in at another point and with drew lock on the board things could get a little bit weird early on in the second day of the draft and so yeah i think there's there's a lot of good scenarios that play out and the players that are still on the board really fit what they need and what a lot of people talked about at number nine so the fact that and you notice of of the guys we mentioned these best available there's not a lot of the defensive linemen left that you would feel really good about so the fact that they were able to come away with ed oliver and now they go into day two and can probably check off wide receiver, tight end, offensive tackle in some order. Mm-hmm. 
Not a bad. Brandon Bean's probably sleeping pretty soundly right now. So how about, yeah, he's sleeping a lot more soundly than we are at the moment. Um, so how about this? Since Tim Graham, you're caught up and you're feeling feeling good about it, how about you call your shot? Tyreek Hill. Wow. The, the, Who are you taking at 40 is what I'm asking. That Tyreek Hill. Oh, jeez. The Bills still feeling the effects of not taking Khalil Mack when he had his pro day right here in their building, are going to say, look, we cannot make this mistake twice. You just said Tyreek Hill, though. Oh, I'm sorry. Tyree Jackson. Sorry. I was just reading up. I was distracted. I was reading up on Tyreek Hill. You know Hill what there. he also said earlier? He said Antonio Bryant when he meant Antonio Brown. We didn't – I didn't – Oh, you got to say these things. You have to correct <laughs> I, me. But it's – it's it was fun. But it kind you of have fits. to correct Wasn't Antonio me. Bryant kind of a head case too. Yeah, but still you get you got you can't let that go because then people are going <laughs> to, like just call me out on it immediately. <laughs> Tyree Kill. Tyree uh, Jackson. The all right. Bills are not going to make the same mistake twice. Okay. They let Khalil Mack go. They regret it. They're going Tyree Jackson and then they're going to come back in like the 5th and get Anthony Johnson. Okay, besides get, Tyree Jackson. They have Jackson. to get the the center. The and then they're going to trade for Tyreek Hill. Oh, James, <laughs> James O'Hagan? Yeah, oh, is that who James you're talking O'Hagan. about? Um, okay, besides Tyreek, if it wasn't Tyree, who would you say at 40, Tim? Oh, I don't know. I'm not good at this. I don't, I don't know. I, I'm shocked that uh, some of these things happened that did. I, tr- I feel like I trust people like Joe Biscaglia, and then uh, Jones goes to the Giants, and I'm like, who, what can I believe anymore? That's Joe right. Biscaglia never mocked. Yeah, I did. Jones going to the Giants. Sure, I did. Oh, well, which which draft? Which which are your mocks? Which Number are your six. Twenty three thousand draft <laughs> draft mocks. I do seven a year. You know this about me. It happens every year. You did not. You had him going to the Giants at yeah. one point. Yeah. When? Uh, number five and six. There has to be some combination of math that says if you do enough mocks, you can nail all the picks. If you could say in mock, if you combine mock three, four, five, and seven, right, give me then some dab for that, man. Are you coming up with? I told you yesterday on Perk's show. Perk wouldn't. Perk won't remember. He didn't give me any love. But they said, give me one bold prediction. I said Daniel Jones will be the second quarterback off the board. But you weren't listening. <laughs> I was listening when you told me about it. I certainly wasn't listening to a show in South Florida. And Perk, Perk won't. Perk won't you shout give you me the credit. Out. No. All right. Typical so. Perk. I don't know. I don't have a. What do they do? Can I even say the position? Yeah, go with the position. How about that? Well, I think there are enough guys available that. Well, hell, they're what seven picks before they go. They have the eighth pick in the second round. Yeah, they have Not the number ninth. forty. They have eighth pick. Uh, uh, I'll say they get Noah Fant. <laughs> I know. See, yeah, I'm stalling. I don't know. I don't know what they're gonna do. Those are three, the three most powerful words in the English language. In my I agree. I don't know. I've tried to, I've tried to push off this guess for now. What? It's got to be going on two and a half minutes. <laughs> I've said four, four names that don't even fit. Uh, give me. Uh, he looks great in the glasses. Crying here. Uh, they're gonna, they're gonna trade for Rashawn Gary. <laughs> they're showing some replays on, uh, on NFL Network now. The same NFL Network feed that. Trip me up on Noah Fant earlier. What if they end up with DK Metcalf and Ed Oliver, two guys that you could probably throw into that same bucket of athletic 
marvels. But here's the thing. I don't like the word freak. Do you like DK Metcalf? I don't. In the second round, I don't mind him. Guy with that type of vertical speed. Maybe he's a one-trick pony, but he's pretty good at that one trick. But the only thing is, don't you kind of already have that guy on your roster? That's my only concern. I mean, what do you call Robert Foster? I call Robert Foster a not nearly as ripped version. Well, yeah. I mean, he's more muscular. He's not nearly as strong. He's not going to fight for the ball the way that... DK Metcalf. That does, that part ever. is fair. That and part so is fair. You don't have a contested catch guy like DK Metcalf on the roster. But are there other receivers that are sure? I mean, you could better get suited JJ for Kega Whiteside. Yeah. You could get you know Kelvin Harmon is so, pretty good. So I are mean, you calling your guys. shot DK Metcalf? Is no, that what's I'm happening I'm just here? throwing it out there. Okay. Those are two guys that were often mocked at number nine. I have a feeling it'll be one of the corners if they're available. Uh, Byron Murphy or Rock Yassin. I I just think. What about Greedy Williams? Greedy Williams doesn't really tackle, and so I don't know that Sean McDermott's going to really like him unless Tredavious White really starts pounding the table because that's Tredavious' boy. Another one Um, to add to your corner group, Joan Williams. Yeah, Joan Williams, who they had in for a visit. Uh, I really like Cody Ford, but I don't know, you know, how they'll feel about him and – you know, I don't know exactly how they feel about the offensive line group they well, have right now. Well, my Maybe idea, they feel better about Deion Dawkins than we thought. My idea here has just absolutely gone horribly because I've I've asked you guys both to call your shot. <laughs> Tim gave me Tyree Jackson. You gave me 17 names. Well, actually, I actually first gave you Tyree Kill. Yeah, you did. Technically. Yeah. I botch names. I'm Antonio starting Bryant. to get to a certain age where these things muddle. And I, I, I've been around. It's like uh, – I remember talking to my grandmother one time. It was she was in her late seventies, and I was talking. We were watching the TV, and I said uh, that so and so looked like somebody that we know, like somebody in our family. Mm-hmm. And she said, "Tim, when you get to my age, everybody looks like somebody." <laughs> and so when I get to my age, every there are no such thing as an unusual name. It's like I had it. Like I, uh, uh, Jake, and I almost just said it wrong again. Jake Dolagala, the kid mm-hmm. from St. Francis, yeah. who's a quarterback. I went to college with a guy named Kyle Domagala. And so I have called Jake Dolagala Kyle about six <laughs> times to his face. And he doesn't ever correct. He just smiles. And, is, and I'm like, did I just do that? So, yeah, it's uh, it happens. So Antonio Bryant, Antonio Brown. I know I do it on my radio show all the time. It's fine. Noah Fant, I screwed up. Totally had nothing to do because nobody's named Noah Fant. You got the name right. I got the name right. I just didn't know that he wasn't available. I will anymore. say it's people probably don't realize that it is not easy to follow who's still available. No, because as soon as, soon as, as the, the Bills pick, yeah. I don't know what the hell's going on yeah. unless they yeah, trade I, back in and then I lost you track. Kind of get I, your I had to take a good twenty minutes to catch myself back up. To and speed. so you're writing, and I still don't really. The only way I know is because it's scrolling across the TV. Some of these names, but it's it is. You know, it becomes kind of a crapshoot after the Bills pick because you're just running around. As comfortable as I can get with making a prediction, not based on name, um, but based on the number of quality players still available at these positions, my guess is that the Bills will get uh, a really good tackle or wide receiver. Mm-hmm. That's that's where I am with this. I'm, I'm with you there. Um if, if I had to peg which guy that I think fits them the best, I think A.J. Brown from Ole Miss is probably my guy um, just because I love his versatility, especially with Dable's offense. And, yeah, I, I think he could potentially 
be a really good asset for them, a potential number one for them. But um, Beaner saw him live. Yeah, he did. Yeah, he do. But Debo Samuel was also on the field that day, and so was DK Metcalf. Well, DK Metcalf wasn't playing, but he was presumably he was, there. You would hope he's on the field. So cheering how the hell on his are mates. we supposed to know? But we can't know. But wide receiver and and um, an offensive lineman, I think, is the way that I'm leaning for those two picks. Or a tight end or a corner. Corner, you know, mm-hmm. corner just sticks in my mind as well because they've got a bunch of long-armed guys that I think they would really like. But they do have... They you do can't ha- have enough corners. But they do have three guys who are already competing for a starting job. Two of which are often injured, and one of which is... An undrafted guy, I undrafted understand. but if quite skinny. Yes, yes. Could be quite I, prone to getting I injured agree, himself. I agree, and I, I would not... Be uh, I would not and their be surprised. Corner is coming off shoulder surgery as well. So uh, not I would, only not only coming off shoulder surgery, but even before he had the surgery, he played kept, with it all kept year. Getting or you would see him, he'd make a tackle, and it looked like he, you know, he was done for the year. And then he'd come back the next game and do it again mm-hmm. and do it again. So it's yeah, that's alarming. It, you can't it, count on him. It wouldn't surprise me if they take a corner, knowing this regime, Bean and McDermott, they both do that. But at 40, I don't know, the, the value of wide receiver there just kind of stands sticks out like a, like a sore thumb to me. Yeah, there's a there's lot There's only of, two off the board right now. There's a lot of really good wide receivers yeah. available. Well, in that tier right there, and I don't know you're going to be able to— Maybe one sticks around, a couple stick around until the third round. Maybe— I don't, I don't know that you want to take Arcega that chance with, with receiver. Kelvin Harmon. Kelvin Harmon's like— 80 or 90 percent of Nikhil Harry anyways and so you know mm-hmm. he's, he's you know a pretty good value wherever he lands he'll probably be in the third round I think I want you guys to pledge to me that if I ever do saw this, him live too if I Kelvin ever do Harmon. this show again that you call me on it immediately when I screw up a name I will pledge nothing because it's funny then I'm not coming back I'll on. do it yeah please I know you will because you're my guy <laughs> Joe is not <laughs> I take offense to that well, th- when you behave the way you just did, and you told Tim that you, you embarrass were gonna... me, I'm well, he's the one who popped the pants tent three times. It's more embarrassing to let the uh, error go than All right, it is Tim. to call okay. me on it. All right, call I'll... me on it immediately because I'll make fun of myself. I'll, I'll I'm not, call. I'm you not on afraid it. to make fun of myself. I'll call you on it, please. No offense, Tyree Kill, Antonio Bryant, Antonio Bryant. Those are three right there. Three there are probably in others. One podcast. Oh, well, you'll have that. And you might have After also midnight, you might have also said what can you do? Jake Dalagala at one point. Jake Dolagala. Yeah. But you were doing it on purpose, I think. Kyle Dolagala. <laughs> yeah, different guy. Just not even the same last name. Close enough. All right. We've reached an hour. It is three fifteen in the morning. We are still at the facilities. We have to be back here fairly soon. John so. Havlicek is dead. We got to wrap this up. Sean McDermott once challenged me to meet him here at 3.30 in the morning. Maybe I should just stick around and go knock on his office door <laughs> see what he's up to. All right. I'm here. Hell, I want to see it. <laughs> All right. So we'll wait to see if Fairburn does that. He'll report back to tomorrow night's podcast, or I should say tonight's podcast. I wonder if it smells like Cheerios up there. <laughs> All right. It's so- actually been smelling like Frankenberry in town. So if he was really hanging around town, if he wanted to be accurate about it, he would have said Frankenberry. 
Which, and look, he's a, and it's an adorable uh, monster, but the Frankenberry monster is like, that's a little more intimidating than than Cheerios. Like, Frankenberry, like, yeah. I have strawberry monster coming in to start a D tackle for the Bills. I have no idea with what he's talking about. Stra- Frankenberry. I have no clue what It's a cereal. What is Frankenberry? It's a cereal. Never heard of it. Have you heard of this? Didn't. General, they make it here. Have you heard of Frankenberry yes. before? It's in the same Count Chocula, Frankenberry, Booberry. <laughs> you don't know like this. You're feeling Booberry. You don't I, know this. I don't eat those. Cereals. This is. Wash- I know Count Chocula. You know what? This is washing away my Noah Fant mistake. No, it's right not. Here. Absolutely you, not. You don't know these cereals? No. They're made here in your hometown, Joe. That's fine. Didn't you don't not know big, them? Not a big, not a big cereal guy. Correct me if I'm wrong. Unbelievable. Correct me if I'm wrong, but. After Sean McDermott's first draft, do you rec- were you here for his news conference after his first draft? I think the first so. round, they traded back. It was just Sean McDermott, right? And yeah, I was here. That was Doug Whaley's. Last he was, draft. you know, real. He, like I said, emotions run high on on draft night, and he was pretty fired up. And whether it was that night or maybe the next morning on the radio, didn't he talk about? How he went home and he couldn't sleep, so he had a big bowl of cereal. That's true. He did. Something about cereal on draft weekend with Sean McDermott. Showing right now for those who are listening. Here's the Frank. This is what the Frankenberry box is. That is a ridiculous cartoon image. It's Frankenberry. And you know what the thing is about the the monster cereals, Frankenberry, Booberry, and Count Chocula? I know about Count Chocula. I've never heard of Frankenberry. And the uh, discontinued, although I think they brought it back for nostalgia purposes, Fruit Brute. (laughs) There were four four monster cereals, Joe. See, now I'm in my wheelhouse and I'm feeling it right now. Now I know something you guys don't. (laughs) But the thing is, is that you get done and it makes milk. Based, so you get done with this, and you have strawberry milk that you can drink at the end. Well, I know the concept of that because Count Chocula does the same thing. Yeah, well, I so understand. does Blueberry with blueberry milk and Fruit Brute, which is orange. That's not a good cereal. No. So it didn't last. Fruit yeah. Brute? Fruit Brute. That yeah. happened? Absolutely. Fruit Brute is, uh, wow. made, made a return in uh, Pulp Fiction. You, your knowledge of cereals, it's impressive. I will give you that. Tim has a lot of knowledge about a lot of things. I do. It's just not the things that make me look real smart in front of you guys. Frankenberry, Booberry, and Count Chocula? I'm smart. You guys know I can do things. Yesterday, Tim I can do was, things, you know. Or two days ago now, Tim was rattling off drummers, dead or alive. Well, Bobby Rosati was n- nailing them all, but... He got them right, yeah. But Tim came up with a quiz on the spot wow. of dead or alive drummers that... It was quite impressive. I would do terribly at that. He's an encyclopedia. Okay. We're beyond blessed to have had yes. in our presence here. For yes, this. very much so. Tim, are you... Are you this you? seductive picture of the seductive, <laughs> Seductive Frankenberry. Goodness me. You won't tweet that. They've been... T- <laughs> that should be your new header. But it smelled or like your- Frankenberry in town. So you've been driving around downtown if, Buffalo not knowing what these smells are. Do you know what Frankenberry is? That's cereal. Oh! See, if you if you tweet that picture right now... They don't sell it anymore. Ooh! Get so out it doesn't smell like Get Frankenberry here, they, downtown. They don't sell Booberry, Frankenberry, or Count Chocula. He's wow! Insisting. That's not I, true. On Halloween, they sell 
Count Chocula? I don't know if He's I insisting. But they don't sell like any of it. Yeah, they don't. Whoa! Uh, this is a know. huge development. I just got <laughs> lambasted for know. this. Unless they're just making. Is anyone still listening? Into the lake. Can't be the monster cereals. I'm looking at the Wikipedia page. It's 3:20 in the morning. <laughs> you guys were leaving. Have a great evening. We've outlasted. The, the oh, wonderful. and don't forget, Yummy Mummy. <laughs> <laughs> yummy Mummy was discontinued in 1992. <laughs> <laughs> Here's so what, it doesn't. What does it smell like? Here's downtown, what. Here's what you need. Frankenberry. Yes. I want to know this first. No, in 2014, DC Comics. They they even relaunched. <laughs> they relaunched them. DC Comics new design for the serials time. But yeah. Oh, that does say for Halloween though. But Ooh. it doesn't say. It doesn't say anything in here about discontinuing. All right. I I really think you should tweet that seductive picture of. Frankenberry? Is that who that is, right? Frankenberry? They I said, all right, how, here's the thing. It's sold only in September and October. So they're probably making it ahead of time. Just so you know out there, if you eat cereal, it was they're made, making it in April. It was made, and they're going to put yeah, it in a vacuum-sealed bag, and you're going to eat it six months from now. Well, here's my, point about, about, that. Here's my point about tweeting it. If Sean you tweet McDermott, it now, well, he's, why he's don't you see these stories cereal. in the Buffalo News? <laughs> That's right. If you God damn it. <laughs> if you tweet it now... People will be like, well, typical Graham. But when they listen to this podcast, it'll be like opening up a present and be like, oh, my goodness. I think that's what happened. The title of this episode should be Seductive Frankenberry. Yummy Mummy. (laughs) I'm. How about Yummy Mummy? Yummy How Mummy. I actually kind of like Fruit Brute myself, even though it turned the milk orange. I'll just look past that. Count Chocula has a page. They're all here. I'm sorry. Generalmills.com has brands slash cereals slash monsters. <laughs> they are all available. We should go. <laughs> Tim, thank you for all your infinite wisdom on cereals and the like. Uh, and football. It's right here. It's all right in front of me. I can't. No offense, I don't know. But this... This I know. An intimate knowledge. Your nose knows Frankenberry when it smells it. Heck yeah. When that scent wafts through the air above the 190. We're Regar- not mistaken that. All right, I'm going home. Yeah, me too. Regardless, Tim, thanks for doing this. Hey, happy to help. We always love having you. Uh, Matthew will reconvene tomorrow after day two of the draft. And uh, yeah, that's... That's when we'll speak with you next. Hopefully, you get through the episode. Can I wrap it up just with a, in a bow? I think the next General Mills uh, cereal is going to be Ty- Tyreek Hill Berry. Oh, no. The next monster cereal. Oh, no. I'll allow it. I'm not sure that would be very marketable, but. Especially not now. We'd be smelling it around town. Especially not Making now. it down to the General Mills plant. Oof. So, on that note. The Bills get at Oliver. They have two more picks tomorrow. And uh, that's when Matthew Fairburn and I will speak with you next. Will Tim Graham tweet the seductive Frankenberry or not? Who's to say? Find out tomorrow after you hear this. Good night, everyone. Talk to you in less than 24 hours. See you.